Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. Robert Shea will be along in a moment. A little different approach on the next several episodes of Fed Heads. Our guest is Martin O'Malley. He's the former mayor of Baltimore, former governor of Maryland, and former candidate for the Democratic nomination for president. He's author of the new book, Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. It is a history and analysis and explanation of how he established the CityStat process in Baltimore and transferred it to the state level across government, introducing performance measures at the local and state levels. Here's part one of our conversation with Governor O'Malley. Talk about how you stood this up. What challenges did you face, and, and what are the mechanics of setting this up? Yeah, and this is one of the things I enjoy most about working with Grant Thornton is working with truly committed newly elected executives, men and women who have been elected county executive or, or mayor or governor. A lot of them look at this, and they, they, they think, uh, well, that'd be a nice thing to do, and that might be a second-term sort of thing to do. And I urge them, please, don't wait tell that the golden newness of, of, of your service is over. Uh, start and don't stop. Uh, but start intentionally and one department at a time. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. First department that started doing ComStat was, of course, policing. That's what I ran on. That was the defining issue of the campaign. That's why I won all six council districts, including defeating both of my African-American opponents in their own 100% African-American districts, which, oh, by the way, were the hardest beset for decades by crime. So we started with policing. And then um, uh, within about uh, 90 days, we spent a little bit of money on some wallboard and building out a permanent room on the top floor of City Hall for all of the other departments to start rotating through in front of the mayor and my command staff. uh, by June, I think the very first meeting happened outside, you know, beyond policing. So we ramped up. We started with Department of Solid Waste, or what other cities call sanitation, you know, trash. Um, within uh, uh, another couple of weeks, we added water and wastewater because that was a department that already had a lot by way of performance of measurement. Mm-hmm. You know, they already had the data. They were pretty facile, and they are pretty good at using GIS and mapping things. So they were kind of our two lead horses. And after doing that rotation for a couple of weeks, you know, we'd have a meeting. Two weeks later, we'd come back, note taker next to me. Uh, we'd have a short agenda. There's only r- really so many topics you can go into. The the Temptation is when I ask everything from soup to nuts, but you, you pretty much as a group of people focus in on the primary colors that indicate whether or not the operations of your sanitation department or wastewater is improving, whether citizens are getting better service. So by the end of that year, uh, we had then added rec and parks to that rotation. Uh, transportation, Department of General Services. We got up to 10 departments, which kind of maxed us out, Robert. That was about as many as we could handle every two weeks. What did that work out to as a practical matter? It meant uh, Mondays and Tuesdays were two back-to-back one-hour meetings with a short break in between. And then we had one meeting solo, I think, either on a Thursday or, or a Wednesday. So that's five in one week. And then the next week, we had a different five. 
and then the week after that, we repeated the five <laughs> from that first week. And so that became the uh, that became the rotation. And initially, when we started heading down this path, and this is a great danger for new executives, their senior staff always want to tell them they don't have time for that many meetings. When that was said in the presence of Jack Maple, he said, really? Then how much time does he have for meetings? Because in my experience here with him, it seems like you guys have him in one constant meeting from dawn to dusk and into the night. Every minute of his day is in some meeting. And he was right. I mean, you can either ride the horse or have the horse ride you. Mm -hmm. A lot of executives content themselves with putting out fires or reacting or being accessible or just making sure nothing screws up too badly. But the better ones realize that if they put together this system, then their organization will focus on the things that matter to the mayor rather than the fire of the day or, you know, either metaphorical or or real uh, or the whirlwind outside the door or the latest scandal. No, we're locking all of that stuff outside the door. In fact, there's a sidebar in here by Chris McChesney. He, he talks about the whirlwind. Lock the whirlwind outside the door. For this one blessed hour, we're going to focus on how we make our city cleaner or safer or how we intervene earlier in the lives of, of kids. And after being at it for about a year and a half, Robert, we then insisted that um, each of the departments set up their own stat room. They shouldn't be dependent on that one hour there when they're with the mayor and his command staff. Uh, we overcame uh, the cultural barrier. Some people say, well, people must hate this, you know, actually having to be open and transparent and accountable for their piece of turf. Uh, how do you overcome that? We overcame that by being relentless, number one. We didn't stop. So people saw that it wasn't some fad and the mayor would get bored with it. And I wasn't at every meeting, but my presence was felt at every meeting. Um, and the priorities were felt at every meeting. But we used that time to lift up the leaders. And when you lift up the leaders in the eyes of their peers, the 80% of the big organization in the middle starts to follow the leaders. Um, and, and that's really how we overcame the, the cultural aversion. And some department heads got there sooner than others. Uh, Joe Kolodzewski was our sanitation uh, guy. God rest his soul now. Uh, hard-working, salt-of-the-earth Baltimore guy. And Joe realized after a few rotations uh, that he was the only trash guy in America that had a guaranteed meeting every two weeks with the mayor and his entire command staff, the finance director, the IT director, the labor commissioner, the HR person, all of those people that sometimes make rules high atop the pyramid of command and control that have a really bad impact on the ground when it comes to service delivery or getting things done. Uh, And and that's really the shift that most of the department people made. Uh, To this day, I run into people that worked in the city during those years, and they say those were some of the best years for our department. Mm -hmm. We were really doing good things then. Well, and you kind of go where I wanted to go next, which is just the fact that do you think the biggest impact came from just the fact that the people that you were measuring knew you were measuring and they knew that if they didn't have something good, if they didn't have good results this week, they'd be talking to you again in two weeks. And that could be a positive if they went out and made a difference in the next two weeks. Yeah, that was, I mean, sure. That was a, we all would like to do a good job in our jobs. We all want to be needed. And most people in public service uh, especially 
if they've hung in long enough to get to the managerial level, really want to make a difference, and they feel good about the work that they do because it serves people, and there's a you know, a, a certain pride that comes from working for the city, serving the people of the entire city. So um, uh, some people, especially reporters, uh, thought uh, tried to shorthand this process as, oh, yeah, this is where you hold people accountable, you know, hard accent on the two C's and mm-hmm. accountable. Uh, this is where you crack down and hold them accountable and fire underperforming managers. Uh, not That really wasn't what it was about. It was learning from the best managers what they were doing well, how they were doing it, so that they could share what they were doing with the other people in the organization so we could get things done. Uh, that's That was really the – that was what – otherwise, it would be pretty miserable meetings, wouldn't they? You know, eat your spinach. Well, uh, but you've got results to show, right? You've got a depiction of the impact of your activities on the city of Baltimore. And talk about what – how how the visualization – of the movement and reduction of crime impacted the success of CityStat. One of the very gratifying things about serving in city government or being a mayor is that you don't, you don't have to spend a lot of time telling people uh, whether or not the city's getting better. Either my alley is cleaner, my streets are cleaner, the swing sets were repaired at the playground where my kids play, or they weren't. And all the talking in the world isn't going to get them not to believe their lying eyes, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's there was that physical aspect of people could see the city was becoming cleaner. And that first year we drove homicides under 300 for the first time in like 20 years, and we continued to drive them down. And the city started coming back to back to life, but uh, we would we we brought community leaders in. You know, we would do the mayor's nights out, like the town hall type of meetings. But we would also do mayor's nights in, where we would bring in neighborhood leaders from uh, different parts of the city to see city stat, to uh, help them, to ask them for their help in spreading the word about our new innovation, which was three one one. Just call one phone number for. Uh, any problem, you'll get a customer service number. You'll get a time frame within which to expect that that will get done. And look, we're not as good as of, at at anything that we do right now. Whether it's boarding up houses, vacant houses, or or uh, uh, or cleaning the streets, as we hope to be next week. And this is why that hope is a realistic hope because we would bring them into the city stat room. We would show them the map. We would show them what the technology, which now all of our kids kind of laugh at, laugh at it. Robert and I are the same age. He looks a lot younger than me, but Robert and I are the same age. Our kids laugh at us, right? You've been a politician for too long, Governor. Haley, Hannah, and Mimi love it when I call them out on the show, and they'll love it even more that you agreed they laugh at me. They laugh at us when we look at things like geographic information systems or the little Uber car, and we act like that's magic. But that was all new stuff 20 years ago. So we would bring community people in. Uh, and it, and I would start going through the presentation of how we were doing, what we were doing, ask them to spread the word about 311 and the customer service guarantee, and this is how it works, this is how it's different from before. And invariably, about seven minutes into that presentation, someone would raise their hand. It didn't matter whether the group of community leaders were from a wealthy or poor neighborhood, Democrat, Republican, black or white, someone would raise their hand and say, and ask, can you show me my house? <laughs> <laughs> 
and just geeked out by the whole process. Fail. We yeah. would almost take bets how many minutes in to the little presentation. And my part was supposed to be just like 15 minutes. So then yeah. we'd open it up. Will it be before somebody raises their hand and say, can you show me my house? That's hilarious. And sometimes the question was presented more like an indignant demand than a question. Show I'd, me my house. Or I bet you can't show me my house. Yes. And why, why did people ask that? Was it to see whether, you know, I think it was a lot of different reasons. It was to understand that you understood what was going on in the most important part of their world, which was their neighborhood, mm-hmm. where they're working hard and raising their kids with love and hope and faith. Uh, was it to understand that my government knew and was doing something about it? Was it to understand, so I could understand the person asking the question, what else was happening in my neighborhood? I think it was all those things. It was about, you know, the technology. I, th- I think the beauty of this new technology, which now so many of us take for granted, uh, but it's a big shift. Newer mayors elected in the last 15 years generally don't use the word constituent so much as they use the words customer. Mm-hmm. Or customer service. That's a big shift. And the beauty of these new technologies, with good leadership, isn't that it allows you to manage the masses, or or it's that it allows you never to lose sight of the individual. So if a service isn't delivered, whether you're calling from a rich neighborhood or a poor neighborhood, man, you got the same customer service number that everybody else in the city got. The mayor gave you that guarantee when to expect, whether it was the pothole or whether it was boarding up the house to get done. And, you, and it had the effect, really, of, uh, of improving the trust that all of us had among each other, that we were all in this together, mm-hmm. that it was no longer the old patronage, patronage model where, you know, if your neighborhood voted for the mayor, you got your streets plowed. You got your services earlier, or if you were wealthy, stuff got done in your neighborhood, but it didn't get done in my neighborhood because I'm a poor. I live in a poor neighborhood. That went out the door with the openness and the transparency of CityStat and three one one, and I think that's why so many mayors across the country embraced it. When you talk about those meetings, we're almost out of time for this program, but you talk about those meetings, and it takes me to my favorite two lines in this whole book, uh, page one hundred twenty seven. There were many mayors from other cities who walked into the city stat room in Baltimore, saw how openly we were doing what we were doing, then t- <clears throat> excuse me, then turned to their able staff and whispered, let's get the hell out of here. Do not tell anybody we saw this. I, I, this, I can just picture that in my mind. And, and you point out that these were mayors who were already fairly experienced when you were a relatively new mayor. Yeah, it's hard when you've been in a while because yeah. you, you have to be willing to own the good and the bad. When we created this, this became especially important at the state level to have public-facing dashboards uh, on some of the more complex problems that weren't the immediate, you know, service delivery one, two, three, the potholes filled. Um, but yeah, you have to be willing to own the good and the bad. And if you've been in office for a while, uh, your staff will tell you, don't be open and transparent. If people only knew, yeah, how long, how much longer it took to deliver that service in some neighborhoods compared to how quickly it gets delivered in wealthier neighborhoods. So I think that's why newly elected mayors have an easier time with this, uh, because, um, you know, they, they don't have to own anything that's gone before. They have to own what, whether or not they're making it better tomorrow.
Martin O'Malley, the former mayor of Baltimore, former governor of Maryland, and former candidate for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States. He's author of the new book, Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. Coming up in the next episode of Fed Heads, moving the idea from the local level in Baltimore to the state level in the entire state of Maryland. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fed Heads. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.